Hello, I'm Kevin Kittle, and you're listening to The Cinema Files. Recently, fellow cinemaphile Dan Silva was able to speak with Peter Rabbit composer Dominic Lewis. Dominic is currently scoring the third season of Amazon's The Man in High Castle. He's composed scores for a number of movies and TV shows, including the new DuckTales, Sony's Rough Night, and Fist Fight. In addition to these, he's contributed to scores for How to Train Your Dragon, Wreck-It Ralph, and Captain America Winter Soldier. Unfortunately, our phone connection with Dominic wasn't very good, so the audio quality on this interview is uh, lower than our typical podcast. Hi, Dominic. This is Dan Silva from The Cinema Files. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Oh, good. Happy to hear that you had a new new baby. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, it's it's tiring. Oh, yeah? Is it your first, then? <laughs> no, second. Oh, okay. Uh, lots of, okay. Yeah. Lots of plates in the air right now. Oh, yeah. No, that was... Uh, I have three, and uh, oh, wow. going from one to two, I felt like was just exponentially harder. Like, I, I really... I, no one warned me. I was really upset about it. That <laughs> warned me how hard it yeah, was going to be. Yeah, I don't think anyone could ever warn you for what happens yeah. when it's two and not one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. So, all right. Well, thanks so much for agreeing to do with it, do this. Um, just okay. introduction. I'm, uh, uh, you know, just a just a writer over here. Um, my bachelor's degree is actually in archaeology. Um, and uh, with a minor in music, I wanted to be a choir director and a composer for a long time. Um, So I think that you hit the jackpot um, now that you're in the industry, so I think that's pretty cool. Um, But, uh, yeah, so I guess first question, uh, how did you get into film composing, and uh, has it always been the end goal to do that? Um, I mean, music's always been the end goal. both my parents are musicians, um, oh. so I kind of didn't really have a choice. Oh, no, that's not fair. They were very supportive in whatever I wanted to do. There was a brief moment where I wanted to be um, a sportsman of some, whether it was rugby or cricket or, or whatever it was. Um, but no, music has always been the beacon speaking to me. So, um, but it wasn't always film composition. Um, you know. At the very beginning, I wanted to be like that, and I wanted to play the cello. Um, and then, you know, I got a bit older, and I sort of found rock music, and wanted to be a rock star, and be in bands, do all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, kind of when I started writing songs, at, like, I don't know, 11, 12, at secondary school, um, you know, I started writing songs for the band, and then that kind of wasn't enough, and then so that's and then that wasn't enough. And then, um, you know, my dad started doing film sessions in London, playing on all the movies. So I sort of kind of got introduced to film music at that point. I mean, I'd always been aware of it, and I'd always loved, you know, the music of the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never really kind of acknowledged it until dad kind of moved into that world. And also I uh, went to school with Rupert Gregson Williams' stepdaughter, Sadie. Oh. So, you know, having kind of found a new outlet through Dad, and then that was another kind of um, piece to the puzzle. So then I would go down and hang out with Rupert. And by that point, I mean, the goal was to be a film composer, that's what I wanted to do. So it was kind of from like 11 to 15, I was figuring out that this would be an awesome way to go. 
Um, and so then, you know, from 15 till I left school, I, I would go down to Rupert's studio um, quite often and just sort of hang out with him and watch him work. And then he, you know, leaves would get a coffee or whatever, and I would, he said, just play around. And so he kind of, in a weird way, taught me programming and samples and, you know, um, all that, all that kind of stuff. And then when I, when I went to the academy to study, um, composition and, and film composition, um, you know, he, I stayed in contact with Ru and, you know, he would get me to do arrangements and just sort of, not necessarily on his stuff, but just the kind of like, as a way of mentoring me and, and teaching me. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I fell into it. But, I mean, that's what I've done, but, um, the goal was to always be in music, and I guess I've turned my love for film music around kind of 12, 13. Awesome, awesome. Was there a particular composer that uh, inspired you besides Rupert? I mean, it was, there were kind of, other than like the classical greats, um, which I think, that, you know, we all draw from uh, the Strausses and the Ravels and the Divisions, well, that's true. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, at the beginning of the journey, it was, it was John Williams and, and um, Alan Silvestri that really... Oh you know, lit that spark for me. Um, you know, John Williams, everything he's done. But, and, and specifically, um, Back to the Future. And, and actually, The Mummy Returns um, lit a spark as well, you know, those Sylvester scores. Oh, interesting. Um, so, yeah, you know, I used to, like, I used to drive my parents crazy. Oh, I would yeah, I'd kick off unless we were listening to that in the car on Long Journey. You know, I had a, I had a compilation CD of one of my favourite um, film scores. Um, a little bit later on, you know, because I, 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 I was young, that was around when I was watching movies. But then, you know, I found the, the genius of, of um, Alfred Newman and uh, Jerry Goldsmith and all those older guys. Uh-huh. Um, no, that's um, fine. Yeah, you you answered it. You answered it. I asked who you okay, really cool. looked up to at the, that young age. So, yeah, that's that's fantastic. Um, I've been uh, ever since I've found out I was going to be interviewing you. I've been listening to uh, a bunch of your work, um, particularly Man in High Castle. Uh, and oh I, yeah. I yeah. really dig that score. I, I just think you did a fantastic job there. Um, and it seems oh, to be so among much. your most popular, uh, at least according to the numbers I've seen um, of the people listening to it. Um, yeah, it is. I mean, it's sort of, it's kind of like the only um, real sort of meaty, dark uh-huh. thing I've been able to get my teeth into. Um and like period darkness is something I've got I really for some reason really relate to. I've got like two ends of my scale. I've got like really dark period stuff. I'm kind of, I'm kind of obsessed with the history of the Second World War. Mm. Um and everything that goes with that, so obviously High Castle would fall into that. Obviously it's like a different history. But um and then on the other side of things I've got my like crappy animation that I love doing too, so it keeps me balanced. But yeah, yeah I'm just wrapping up to, to, uh, 
from it's a really great um way to express that side of what I do, you know, it's it's kind of it takes the the traditional orchestral instruments and sounds and worlds and like sort of try and try and ship it on its head so it's not immediately what you think of. Um and mix that with kind of weird cozy noises and creepy stuff and try and like creep people out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no that's fantastic. So do you feel like that that's your favorite thing that you've done? The Man in High Castle? Um, I think on that side of things, no, I'm, I'm very proud of um, my Money Monster score, oh. um, which is something completely different. It's like, it's very electronic and kind of a bit wacky and um, more kind of um, electronic dance music influenced. Um, and then, you know, I'm also really proud of Possible Freebirds. It's kind of my first venture into my own orchestral world. And I think that um, I really like that score, but um, I think uh, Peter Rabbit, which I've just finished, is, I think, my favorite, other than the hip-hop stuff, because that's TV, and I kind of class that in a different genre because it's there's so much music. Uh-huh. But in terms of, like, movie scores, I think I would say that Peter Rabbit is my most interesting in terms of traditional orchestral stuff. Uh-huh. And then Money Months would be, like, my, if I could submit my electronic one, that would uh-huh. be my electronic one. Oh, <laughs> fantastic! I uh, I really appreciated your. Uh, did you get to name the tracks on Free Birds? <laughs> I did. That's how I wrote to Fever. Yeah. Yeah. I every time Michael Giacchino does the puns of his tracks, I just I just think that's fantastic. I'm a huge pun fan, and uh, so I, I really appreciated your track naming on that. Um, <laughs> I've done a couple of them on the Peter Rabbit score. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. A couple of really, like, terrible bad puns. (laughs) Well, I I can't get enough of that. But, uh, um, okay, so after reading your biography, uh, I was introduced to the concept that more than one composer works on a film, and that kind of blew my mind, even though the score by attribution only includes one name. Um, Yeah. I had no idea that that was a thing. So... How does that work generally? Um, yeah, I mean it's been it's kind of I think over the last I don't know ten ten years or so maybe more the you know the the, the idea of a ghost writer has become more of I mean they basically just changed their name to the additional music composer so guys like I was a few years ago. Um, and sort of getting more recognition than they used to um, in their contribution to scores. I mean, some of these huge Hollywood movies is such a massive undertaking. And with, you know, so many notes coming in from directors and producers and just so much to deal with, it's kind of... The process has changed so much from the days of John Williams and Alan Street and all of the journals and all that that... Um, you know, everything has to be demoed up. Everything has to sound pretty much like it's going to sound eventually. Um, you know, we we have to create the score before the score is recorded and mixed. So, and that's a huge job. So basically, I think the role of an additional composer is just to assist that main named composer in getting the job done. And so you kind of become an extension of the main dude. Yeah, whatever that might be. Um, 
and that can, and that can range from doing arrangements um, and basically taking maps of stuff uh, that the composer has done because you simply just don't have time to do everything um, to you know actually taking a large role in writing quite a lot of the score and it just depends on, on what's happening you know mm-hmm. there's some scores that um, are a lot of it's done by the additional guys and there's some scores that you know it's just like a contribution but just to help get the job done so it depends interesting um, obviously, How to Train Your Dragon, that John Powell score is among the greatest uh, oh, animation scores. Uh, now, so, did he do the motifs and then you helped with the other things, or did you do some oh, of the yeah. motifs as well? Oh, that's, okay. yeah, that's very much, that's, that's John's baby. I mean, that's, the guys that helped out on that are basically just kind of coloring it. John's oh, okay. is, is there, you know, we... He's written all the themes. He'll give us a good idea of what he wants. Um, used to be, but um, you know, with with simply coloring it, I mean, the, the job power is, is, I think, um, if we're taking John Williams and those guys as as one generation, then I think that John is the forefront of the next generation in terms of, of genius. I mean, he's he's a true composer. You know, we, we as film composers are, are sort of slight cowboys and hacks and that we can get away with, you know, um, less uh, complex and intellectual material as a, as a, you know, I put it in quotations, classical composer, but John is the real deal. I mean, the guy writes actual phenomenal classical music. Um, and he's a genius. So, yeah, in terms of How to Dragon and, and all that stuff, no, that was very much... Uh, John's vision and and all John, you know, we we as additional composers or additional rangers were just kind of coloring it for him. Interesting. All right. Um, I I love Henry Jackman's work on uh, on Wreck It Ralph and on Captain Phillips, um, and a few other things that you've worked on with him. Um, I how how was that? I guess is what I'm saying with Henry Jackman. I've I've never actually seen an interview with him or anything. Yeah, I mean, Henry and I worked together for a long time. We kind of, our relationship became um, kind of more of a collaboration. Um, it, to, you know, from those kind of later movies, the the, the Wreck-It Ralphs and the Big Hero Sixes and all that stuff, you know, he, I was very much um, a sounding board and a, and, a, and a sort of lieutenant, if you will, for him during those those years and you know I wrote a lot of music on like Ralph and Big Hero 6 and, you know he wrote the, the, the main stuff of it the themes and all the important stuff but um, yeah no we went Henry and I went through a lot together um, we worked I worked with him for almost five years um, and you know we're very similar in our in our background and our uh, our inspirations and our approach and um, he taught me a hell of a lot and I, you know I wouldn't be I wouldn't be doing my stuff now if it wasn't for Henry. He gave me the opportunity of, of High Castle. He also, you know, set me up with the Money Monster score that I did. And um, he's taught me so much uh, for all across the board, from, you know, dealing with dealing with execs and directors and, and to, you know, how I should set up my templates and how I should, you know, treat my feedbacks in my, in my um, delays to, you know, what, 
ways of doing woodwind differently, you know, so everything across the board. So I basically, with all those guys as well, you know, I've worked with Henry, with John, with Hans, with um, Ramin, with, you know, so many people that I just, you know, you just have to, when you're young and you're, you're trying to get ahead in this game, you just have to become a big old sponge and just absorb everything. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, really just try and learn everything you can. So when the day eventually comes that someone says, hey, I want you to do my score, then you're ready for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like that a majority of the film composers right now, I mean, this just probably is just my perception, but it seems like most of you guys are British. <laughs> Um, yeah. Is that is that something you've noticed as well? Yeah, no, you know what? I had that thought the other day. There's a lot of people coming through the ranks as well that uh, are British. I think that, um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, 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 I used to think that it was, you know, we were all in orchestras as, as kids and, and, you know, the, the, the few of us that chose to do this job have, have such a, a thorough musical education that perhaps that puts us in front of of other people. I don't know. I mean, you know, I myself have two very talented musical parents. I then played in orchestra since I was probably about five or six. Uh, and then I went to the Royal Academy of Music um, and being mentored by, you know, Rupert, who was classically trained himself. Um, I was fortunate enough to be raised properly by two very cool parents, and I have somewhat of a personality. And I think I don't I don't know why the the British <laughs> composers seem to be flooding Hollywood, but um, I have noticed it, and I think it's cool. I think it's I mean I would because I'm English, but I, I do <laughs> I I do I do think it's cool. Um, but that, having said that, there are tons of amazing American composers too I don't. I oh, think right. it's just the fact that you know Hollywood is in America and it's, it could be perceived as slightly strange that you know not everyone is American doing it but I think yeah. it, I think we've got a great mix of nationalities um, doing the job today awesome um, so what what was the process of getting the gig for Peter Rabbit um, well I've worked with Sony before a couple of times now on, um, I did open season with Rupert with, with Sony and I did um, Money Monster and Rough Night um, so Spring kind of from you know knowing Spring pretty well um, her, she knowing my temperament and how you know how I can deal with certain things um, she thought I'd be a good fit for Will because Will um, Will never really used composers before um, not in a positive light anyway um, <laughs> he uses a lot of songs um, and you know stems from songs and, and scores his movies that way so yeah so the, the, she put us in touch so I met with Will we had a good meeting and he kind of gave me a couple of scenes to do which is pretty normal when you you know try and get a gig mm-hmm. um, and the one scene that I sort of gravitated towards was the 2D flashback which happened which basically just kind of fills us in on like a little sort of previously on Peter Rabbit basically um, to, to bring us up to date of, of where the film kind of kicks off um, and that was meant that he want, that was kind of the only real place where he wanted it to be truly traditional um, 
So I kind of went into what I think I can do best, and that's, you know, orchestral music and sort of floral, nice bunny stuff. <laughs> and, um, it, yeah, it, it, it stuck. And he really liked it. And then, um, you know, he, 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 I think it was, I don't know if it was a couple of, it, I remember it was a couple of days later, but it was probably like two weeks later or something. He called me and said he wanted me to, to do the film. And then, you know, we had the amazing journey of trying to figure out what the rest of the movie was supposed to sound like. Um, because that was the only real moment where it could be truly traditional. Everything else was sort of a hybrid of, uh, you know, it took like a month or so to get to that place of, the elements that I fused, eventually fused together. Uh huh. Did you have say in which songs were used? Because that's a pretty song-heavy movie, I noticed. Yeah, it is a very song-heavy movie. Um, I mean, I would give my opinion. Whether that mattered to the final uh, selection of songs, I don't know. But, you know, um, Wendy Crowley, the music supervisor on the on the movie, is is amazing, and um, you know we we were a real team. The music team it felt like a really close knit group. Myself and Wendy and Shelley Whitfield, the music editor, and Will. You know, it felt like um, the four of us were a real team, and and it would bounce ideas off each other, and also with having to record the Sparrows and those songs. Um, you know, we were constantly in the room together discussing what should be and, you know, has anyone got any thoughts what we could put here? And so I was kind of part of it, which I'm not normally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, in a way that I was another pair of ears and, and a sort of youngish person that could give some other ideas of what would be cool to put in certain spots. So I would say I was more involved than I have been on other movies, yeah. Awesome. Um, the I feel like the Peter Rabbit probably means more to Britain than it does to America. Um, yeah, I think that would be say, yeah. Yeah, so did you grow up reading it, and did that inform your process in composing the score? I did. I grew up listening to my mum read it to me. Um, I can't actually remember if I learned to read it, whether I read it myself, but I was very fond and have a loving relationship with those stories. Um, so when I got sent the script and I kind of, I immediately fell in love with this script that encaptured the, the, the world of Beatrix Potter, but also kind of had this really cool new look to it and a new way of telling these, you know, these characters. So I'm not sure if it instructed how I did the score. I think at the more kind of classical and British partial elements of it, um, it probably did, but I would say that that's just part of who I am as opposed to the stories telling me what it should be. Um, you know, I think when you when you grow up in England and you you have you know, you have experiences of the countryside and, and you and you listen to a lot of classical music as a child, I think that was more instructive of where I wanted to go with it rather than you know, the material of Beatrix's concept, but um, I think probably subconsciously, but just because it's part of who I am, you know, that's why I really wanted the gig so much, is that when I, you know, knew Peter Rabbit was happening and they were making a movie, and I was in the running for it, I just, you know, you have to, I had to put it out into the atmosphere that I need this movie, because it was such a big part of my childhood anyway. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, in writing the score, that it was, I definitely wanted to have an element of the traditional side of things because the movie, you know, pushes pushes the boundaries of that quite a bit, and and it's this new, fresh look on Peter Rabbit, this rascal little dude is always getting into trouble and making mistakes. Um, but so you know, specifically with working with Will, I wanted to start with a song approach. So I started with the band because you know synth and stuff just wouldn't work with you know the English countryside. So I started with the band and then the, the orchestra and the monstrous elements came afterwards. Um, but I was very conscious when adding those orchestral elements that they fit with the original world of Beatrix Potter. Excellent, excellent. Well, that's all the questions I have. Um, thank you so much cool. for being willing to do this. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, anytime. Yeah, um, it was a pleasure to talk to you, and I wish you all the best in your future endeavors, and especially with your uh, your two kids. Oh, thank you so much.